Well, uh, today we're continuing our series on Goliath Must Fall. I have one more week. We'll be, you don't want to miss next week. I'm excited about next week. I know it's talking about addiction, the giant of addiction. You say, Sean, I'm not addicted. Well, you might be addicted to something. Come find out, okay? Um, but we've been on this thing about giants. You know why it's so important to to see these giants fall in your life? The giants of fear, worry, the giants of depression, the giants of uh, addiction, the giants of what we're going to talk about today, anger. Uh, because every one of these giants, they lead you. If they're a giant in your life, they're always speaking to you over and over again, and they're leading you somewhere opposite of where God wants you. We've got to, we can't just allow them in our lives anymore. And so I want to challenge you. Go over the notes again. You know, if you want to go on, online, cornerstonelife.org, and click our life group page, um, there's, there's notes, there's questions you can answer. If you're not in a small group, but you can go back through these. And I want to encourage you to do that. Because these things can stop us from really receiving all that God has for us. And today, we're going to deal with the subject of anger. How many have ever been angry before? It probably affects every single one of us in some ways. You can be angry. Sometimes, you know what? You can be angry about yourself, about your past. And it can stop you from hoping for the future. You know, most, most anger is rooted in your heart. You know that, right? It's not because of someone's other decision or somebody's dumb thing that they did. A lot of your anger is based out of your heart. It's based out of rejection. It's based out of worry. It's based out of strife. It's based out of a lot of the giants that a lot of people have. You know, but anger is not wrong, but it is, when it's uncontrolled, it can shut down the God possibilities in our lives. Unchecked anger not only destroys and hurts you, but it can hurt the people around you. So I want to, let's get into God's Word real quickly. My wife told me um, after first service that I needed to shorten it. So... I'm not listening to her. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. <laughs> I don't know. I probably should. Anyway, uh, verse 21. Look what Jesus said about anger. I am going to shorten it today. Um, you have heard that it is said of those of old. This is Jesus talking. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable for judgment. Now, the Pharisees, they preached this. Everybody knew what Jesus was talking about. But then he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember of your, that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to the terms quickly and with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put in the prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Some very strong words that that are going on here, and I'm going to break it down for you, but I've got to be honest with you. I've had an, I've, I've, when I'm studying this, I'm I'm convicted. Um, This wasn't an easy, message for me to study and to give because I have dealt with anger issues. Um, I can blow up. I can, I can, uh, my, my kids can be fighting. How many guys have kids that fight? And I can just blow up at them, you know? 
And uh, I can do that. I've, I've had the issues and, uh, with that. And the thing about it is, we all have anger issues. We may not know we do, but a lot of times we do. One of the foremost anger management consulting firms stated this last year, that one out of every five Americans has an anger management problem. I believe that's even higher in some ways. You know, according to the FBI, there was 25,000 homicides last year. 25,000. The most common reason for this homicide was an argument within the home. Within the home. The most common reason. 29% of all percent of all homicides took place within the home. That's the highest number. Now, to put it into perspective, only 7.9% were gang-related. It happens in our own homes. Studies show that 22% of all divorces take place because of an anger-related incident. 79% of all violent children have witnessed hundreds and hundreds of violence acts on TV, in video games, in the movies. But the number one reason is because they've seen it with their parents. In 1997, we had to coin a new phrase about getting angry in the car, and it's called road rage. And I don't want to see how many hands have ever had that before. Just the other day, someone in Atlanta was killed because of road rage. You know why? They didn't turn on their blinker when they went to the other lane. You know, our society is getting worse in the area of anger. How many of you guys have have found out that it is easier for you to get angry today than it was 10 years ago? It seems like you can pop off a lot easier. Look look at our society. Look at just what happened in, in, in our nation. Anger is filled with everything. I mean, there, there's threats going out all the time. You never used to hear that because of something political. I mean, it's just it's an issue in our nation, and it really has to do with the heart. You know, we came out of the womb kicking, screaming, and crying, and for some of us, we still act the same way today. <laughs> you know? There are times, but there's times when it's okay to be angry, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but we need to understand how we're supposed to be angry, and where do we point that anger to? We all show anger in different ways. Some of you just you do. You blow up when you're angry, and others of you, you clam up. Some of you express it fully, your anger fully and fervently, while others repress it by pushing it down inside. We differ in our intensity and our anger and how we're ways of dealing with, but none of those ways are good ways with, de- with dealing with anger. Anger is an issue with, with, with believers. I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of fights with believers, and it's usually over small preferential things. So, you know, churches have split because of the color of the carpet. You know, we're going to be remodeling. I'm going to talk to you about it because i got to get money out of your pockets. But anyway, um, <laughs> just being honest. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to re-carpet. And you know what? You may not like the carpet we choose. Don't get angry and leave. We're going to lighten it up on here. Amen. And uh, we're going to do some things in the foyer, very, very simple things. But God's going to, but people get angry over small things. Small things. You think your kids are bad. Think about yourself. Right? Some of you say, well, I have a right to be angry. It's okay to be angry. At times, you're right. It's okay. But are you doing it the way King Jesus tells us how to be angry? 
He says this, the Old Testament law condemns murder, but I, Jesus, say that if you're angry without a cause, you will receive a fiery hell as well. Powerful words. Jesus repeated these words over and over. And he said he didn't, he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't say it's okay to murder and then say you're sorry afterwards. No. Jesus says in a sermon that the law is correct about murder. It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to kill somebody. But I, he says, I'm going to go a little step further. I'm going to show you what else is murder. What I believe is murder. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to show you the full teaching of the law of Moses here. And I'm going to show you it's wrong to murder not only with your hands, but it's also wrong to murder in your heart. It's wrong to say or think unkind words of anger towards those around you. And Jesus says that we'll receive, we'll be liable to the hell of fire when anger is uncontrolled and we need to ask some really hard questions about it. What, what type of anger are we having? Why am I angry? How do I show anger? When should I show anger? Against whom shall I show anger? And the Bible is very clear how we do this. The Bible gives us two types of anger. Let me do this quickly. The first type of anger is a spirit led anger or a righteous anger and this righteous anger is something that the bible says that we can have the bible tells us that god even in his perfection even in his holiness gets angry numbers chapter 14 verse 18 says the lord is slow to anger he he may be slow to anger but we also see where his anger has has boiled over unto us there is a righteous sinless anger, but it's slow to anger, he says. And when Jesus, ta- when, when God talks about, and the Bible talks about slow to anger, it's something that, it's, it's like a long fuse. It's like a long fuse that, that is going out, that, that it, it, it's, it's not, it's measured, it's controlled, it's not out of control. It's like, it's like God is saying, I'm angry, and if, and if you don't stop what you're doing, it's going to be worse. I'm mad right now, but I'm about ready to get angry. And if you don't stop what you're doing, it's going to get worse for you. And this is other consequences that are going to happen. If your anger is like that, then you're leaning towards a righteous anger. It's controlled. It's not, not blowing up. How many of you guys remember uh, Andy Griffith's show? It's, it's a show back in the 90s. My, my favorite show. You want me to get something for Christmas? Get me DVDs of Andy Griffith, you know? Actually, it's all on Netflix. You don't need to do that. Anyway, um, and I, I love it, but I, you know, he's not the perfect parent. But one of the things he did, I, that it's, even when I was a, a teenager, I loved this show. I would watch this show, and I would always notice that. When Opie, his son, did something wrong, what would Andy do? Tell him to get up to your room, right? There's going to be consequences. And what do you do? He would separate himself from it. And I've always thought that was unique. And I thought, man, I think that's what God does to us. He doesn't automatically throw lightning down from heaven to destroy us. Now, if you were God, that would probably happen that way, right? Because our anger is not controlled. Our anger is, is outbursts. It's, it's, it's a lot of times our anger is from the heart. There's issues in the heart. We might talk about that in a minute. Ephesians 4, 4.26 tells us to be angry and do not sin. That be angry is a command. Did you know that? There's a time to be angry. And there's a time not to. 
When is it righteous? And when is it a command by God to be angry? When is it called out to be rebuked? Christ is talking about an anger in Matthew 5. That's He rebukes, He reprimands, He condemns. And many of us are angry, but not in the command manner. We're missing the point. We're missing the command. Spirit-led anger is always in control. It is never led by emotions or hurt. When it's led by an emotion, when it's led by hurt, that means rejection. You know, when your kids disobey you, it's a form of rejection to you. Did you know that? I feel it. You feel it. You all know that. It can't be led out of that. See, a spirit-led anger is all about correction, not punishment. It's all about correcting what's happening. A lot of times our anger is about punishment, about getting even, about punishing, about getting mad and venting. But that's not, that's not a spirit-led anger. Spirit-led anger is controlled. We never see God throwing a temper tantrum. He doesn't get on the ground and start weeping, wailing, and screaming. God's anger is measured. The Bible says it's slow to anger. And that's our example. It's that long fuse. I don't want to be angry. I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. I'm giving you an opportunity to change. But if you don't change your ways, my anger will boil over and this will happen. I want that type of anger. I don't always do that. In fact, I, in fact my kids were in the, in the first service. And it's hard for me because they know me. I blow up. They start fighting. And I'm yelling. It's not controlled sometimes. And I've had to repent to them. Because of that. I never explain myself like God does to us, to my children sometimes. I just jumped in. I'm angry. I am dad. Hear me roar. Right? I said, I, apparently, it's, it's, that's the way it is for you. And um, See, anger cannot be led by emotion or your own hurt, but it has to be led by the Spirit of God. Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 28 tells us that if a person cannot control his emotion, including anger... He's like an ancient city without walls. There's no protection. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know, when I blow up, I'm giving opportunity to the devil because I'm causing hurt, right, to others around me. And I have to slow down. Spirit-filled anger in the Bible is always aimed at sinful circumstances. We never see God get angry about small, preferential, or inconsequential things. God never gets angry because the line at Walmart is too long. Right? He never gets angry because somebody didn't turn on their turn signal. You want me to tell you a story? You've got to watch who you tell is number one in your car. I was uh, at a stoplight. Actually, it was up here, 7 and 40, behind this, this person's car. This person, um, I, didn't know, I didn't know who it was until they showed me. Anyway, um, I, you know, the light turned green. They weren't looking. They weren't looking at the light. And they were just standing there. And so you've got to understand, I don't honk my horn. I think it's rude. 
My wife usually honks it for me. Because she doesn't think it's rude. And so, um, and so anyway, I'm, I use them. Well, you know, they're getting, I'm, I need to go. And, you know, they're sitting down there, not probably looking at their phone. Anyway, but anyway, so I, I just tap my horn. Beep. You know, well, well, I got a truck. I got a man's truck. a beep. It's a little bit better than that. But I beeped, and, uh, and uh, she took off. And I'm like, oh, great, great, good, good. So I'm going along, and I kind of start passing her. And as I pass her, she tells me I'm number one. Just with the wrong finger. But anyway, um, and uh, I went and looked at it and says, I know you. I come back. She goes to our church. So we get to the stop sign. Now, this, this person has since moved on. Anyway, um, And so I, I go, I go up, up to the stop sign, and I roll down my window, and I honk again. I went. <laughs> and she go, Ooh. And she apologized. And, you know, she actually, what happened, she was having a bad day. She was actually, she was texting her boss. She was in, in there was something went wrong. Anyway, and, you know, a lot of that times it happens like that. But <laughs> watch you. Remember what I drive. I drive a Ford F-150. Just remember that. And um, God only gets angry at big things. Did you know that? Many theologians call God's anger a judicial anger. That there's like a jury and it says, God, yeah, you have every right to be angry at the situation. He doesn't get angry at the small things. Some of us get angry at small. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I deal with that as a pastor with people. Some of the things, I deal with some very serious things too with people. But some things are just small. Just small. See, what happens is it becomes a sinful anger when we get angry at small things. And we become, we're being led. Stop praying for rain. Um, we're being led by that sinful anger. Sinful anger is a type of anger that the Bible says a lot about. And Jesus condemns it. And it's usually out of the heart. It's usually out of your own rejection, out of your own hurt, out of everything that, that has happened in your life. And we get angry at simple things. The line is too long. People are too slow. You know, someone didn't open the door. Someone didn't wave at me. You know, whatever it was... You get angry at small things and it causes strife in your own life. And it causes you to lose the very peace of God. And it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Stop. Go to your room and just allow God to talk to you. Right? Don't get angry. And Jesus, he brings it into a, a greater thing. He says there's more to this commandment. If you want the heart of God, it's not just that I, can, I can't murder somebody. It's even that I can't even say bad things against somebody. I can't even say it in my heart. It doesn't matter if I don't mention it in my, out my mouth. I can't even say it in my heart. So Sean, if I, say, if I just think it and don't say it, it's okay. No, it's not. Because it's impossible to keep what's in your heart from coming out into your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks. How many has ever called somebody an idiot when you're in the car? Now listen. I may be pointing one finger at you. I'm pointing three back at me. I've done that. 
Jesus says in Matthew 15, 20, eight, verse 18, he says, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are all what defile a person. So the next time you get angry with someone, don't say hurtful things. Don't think of it. Start thinking better things. Speak words of faith over them. Sinful anger is terrible. Most anger outbursts are uncontrolled anger is resulting from that heart, those issues, worry, stress, rejections, those giants in our life. Jesus said this in verse 34 of Matthew 12. He says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you start thinking evil thoughts about people, it doesn't stop. It's going to come out of you. He says, you shall not, in, in chapter 5, verse 21, you shall not murder, but I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You know, let me, let me just flesh this out. You know, when the word insults here is an Aramaic word called rahaka, and it's hard to translate into English because, but the people, when Jesus was talking about, they knew what it meant. The word rahaka means an empty-headed person, a numbskull, a nitwit, a blockhead, an idiot. Jesus is saying that he's concerned how we talk about people. And this is the standard. He's telling treat people, treat your spouse, treat your kids, treat your neighbors, treat the people you don't know, treat the people around you, even treat your enemies with love and respect and honor. Raka was used to cut someone down to size and saying that they were no good. And he uses the word fool, which is, is a Greek word moros, which is where we get the word moron from. And it's not just about an IQ deficiency. It's about saying that you are a person who is a waste of space. So why does, why does Jesus care about that? You know why? You know what? One way to get me angry is to tell me that my kids are no good and they're a waste of space. You know why? Because they are part of who I am. I had a, a, a part in their creation. I had a part in bringing them up and, and, and raising them. And when you talk about them, you're talking about me. When you talk about people and you're saying they're a fool or an idiot and that's an anger outburst, you know what you're doing? You're saying to not only to the creation that they're a waste of space, you're telling the creator he's a waste of space and he made a mistake. You ever thought about it that way? So the next time I'm driving and I want to use the word idiot, guess what's going to come to mind? I'm not going to call that person an idiot because if I'm doing that, I'm calling God one too. God takes... He makes it so important of how we treat others. You know, the greatest commands. Love God and love others. Jesus wants us to know how to be righteous anger, how to be controlled. We need to learn that. God. Church, we need to model controlled righteous anger to this world. They need to be able to come up to you and cuss you out in your face and you not get angry. Amen? And you to show love. How are we going to be doing that? Let me give you seven ways real quickly. Seven ways 
to control your anger. Number one, be poor in spirit. You need to read the Beatitudes, but this one specifically. Be poor in spirit. Recognize that you are spiritually broken and a dead individual before God. Without Him, you are nothing. And if you realize that, you can have mercy on other people. Because you have done stupid things. And guess what? Other people do them too. There's no one perfect in this place or in this world. And they're going to do stupid things. You know, one of the things that I've done, I've yelled and I've called somebody an idiot because of what they've done on their driving. And guess what happens next? I do the same thing. And guess what I want? I want mercy. Why in the heck are you getting mad at me? But I just got mad at them. at some other person doing the, about the same thing. We always want mercy. You've got to realize, remember that we have offended God. We have angered Him in our sin and angered other people with our sin. The only way we, we have anything is because of Jesus. We need to have mercy. Be poor in spirit. Number two, recognize the source of your anger. It could be that person or a situation or perhaps it's something in your heart. Maybe rejection. Maybe a pain that you went through that, that what that person is doing is reminding you of. Recognize it. God, why am I so angry? I can tell you stories and stories. You know, Lisa and I, we've been married for 27 years. And every moment has been wonderful. <laughs> and it has. I mean, I'm, I'm, we, we've, we fought. We've, we fought really well, too. In the wrong way. We've been stubborn. But the, one of the things we've had to come to. Why did I get so angry? Why did, she was just asking me a question. She was just saying, shorten your message, Sean. <laughs> what time is it? Chief started today. Anyway, um, recognize why. What's the source of that anger? Ask Holy Spirit. Tell me why am I angry? Show me, Lord, because I don't want to do that. Why, why, would, why did I blow up on my kids? And I know every one of us does. It doesn't give us the right and it's not good. But why did I blow up my kids? You know, yeah, they were fighting or they didn't do the dishes or they didn't clean their room when I told them to. But why did I get so angry? It's okay to be mad and controlled and, you know, long-suffering in the sense of you better do this or better do this. But why? Why did I get angry? Then number three, Repent and ask God to cleanse you of it. When I say when you ask God to cleanse you, you repent of the reason why you got angry. God, I'm sorry, but you need to replace it with something. If it's rejection, replace it with his acceptance. If it's a pain or hurt, God, heal me. Whatever it is, replace it. Repent and ask God to cleanse you. If we confess our sin, the Bible says he's, God is faithful to, and righteous to forgive us of our sins, but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sinful anger hurts. It hurts you, and it hurts your relationship with others. And it can hurt your relationship with the Lord. Then number four, hold your judgment. Don't be a person of judgment. 
Yeah, there are times, there are things we can judge, and we can judge through the word, but you cannot judge out of your anger. Because some of the things, and a lot of the things that we judge is out of a small little issue. Take time to pray about and think, you know, like Andrew Griffith, you know, send them away, send that situation away and say, God, pray. God, God, what do you want, want to say about this situation? Then number five, forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgiveness, perhaps, is the greatest remedy for anger. So as you are driving and about to, you know, let out that word, in Jesus' name, I forgive that person. Sometimes you gotta, you don't feel, you know, you don't feel forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a step of faith. It's a choice that you make. Just like you choose anger. It's not that other person's fault you're angry. It's your fault that you're angry. You choose to be angry in sin. Right? You choose these things. Or you have a choice not to. But forgive. Forgive. You know, just like Jesus on the cross at Calvary, looking down at his accusers, false accusers, by the way, Looking down at the people who, who hurt him, who are really actually has murdered him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had every power to send them to hell right then. But he didn't. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And number six, daily give God control over your life. You know, Job had every reason to be angry. Despite his circumstances, he refused to shake his fist at God. In fact, Job chapter 2 verse 10 says this, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? He had every right to say, God, I hate you. He had been wrong because it wasn't, it wasn't God who even put it on him. It was the devil. But he could have done that. In fact, his wife told him to curse God. See, the call of discipleship requires us to surrender control of our lives to God. He is faithful. And you can trust what it says in Romans 8, 28, that he'll work all things for good to those who trust him, who love him. Just give it, give it to God. Give God control of it. God, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear. Remember those other giants are going to start to pop up. Say, so, no, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. We need to give him control. And the final thing, number seven, pursue peace. Well, this is good. We are called to be peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers. How do we do that? How do we pursue peace and not pursue anger? Because a lot of times we pursue anger. We think we need to be angry. And the anger I'm talking about isn't a righteous anger. We want to be the sinful anger because what does sinful anger want? It wants to get even. It wants to get you know, back, back to them. And it wants to punish. But righteous anger corrects. Righteous anger forgives. Righteous, righteous anger is long-suffering. It has a long fuse. Righteous anger looks for the best and has faith for better, Right? So Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, verse 25 through 25 says this. Therefore, Jesus talks about how to become a peacemaker here. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge over to the, to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. And here Jesus pictures, paints a picture of the first century Jew going to worship. Worship in Jesus' day was a lot different than worship in our day. It's easy for us to go to worship. We drive our cars to church. We get out. We walk into the foyer. We are handed a bulletin. We go get coffee or something else to drink. And we walk in and we sit down. We spill our coffee. That's why we need to replace the carpet because we marked our spot. You know, some of you wrote your name down there with the coffee. No, I'm just joking. And, uh, and, uh, but, and we're doing carpet squares, by the way, so we're gonna, you can spill your coffee. You'll just have to replace it. But anyway, um, but so it was far different back then. You know, back then, they had to walk to church. Jewish worship was far different. Many rituals took place even on the way to worship. They prepared their hearts. A lot of us don't even prepare our hearts as we're coming to church today. You know, we don't even think about that. And so, but back then, they would prepare their hearts. They would actually read and recite uh, the Psalms of Ascent, which is, uh, which is about 15 chapters, Psalms 120 to 134, on their way to worship. And when they got to the temple, they had to make sure they had an offering. They wouldn't enter the temple without an offering to the Lord. And they had, to, they had to make sure that they had that. Then inside the temple, there were many rooms that they would have to go to to prepare their hearts to go to the altar. So it's just not just one time. This would take hours Hours. Hours. And we're complaining when I'm an hour and a half. And I'm not an hour and a half. I'm 40 minutes. But anyway, I timed myself. Then inside the temple, when they got inside the temple, go through the rooms, they would get to the altar. And that was the pinnacle of worship. They would come to the altar. And right before, when they were laying down their gift to the Lord. Jesus says, If you get to that point and you have offended your brother, you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, stop, lay it down and go. So there's four things to pursue peace. He tells us, leave abruptly, leave immediately. The idea here is to drop everything and go make it right. This is the only place in the Bible that the Lord gives you permission to leave church early. <laughs> when there's something against somebody else. God puts high, a high standard on this. This is very important to God. So important, He'd rather you go make things right than give your time. He wants you to make it right. So leave abruptly. Go find that person. Go quickly, he says. Second thing, not only leave abruptly, get out, go. The word go is, is a Greek word, hapagio, and it means to go with haste. It's the same word that the shepherds used when they heard from the angels that Jesus was being born. They went and found Jesus. Reconciliation requires us to leave what we're doing. Worship becomes secondary, and the broken relationship becomes important. Number one, go and make it right. The Bible says, how can we love God and hate our brother? Reconciliation with our brother is the foremost important thing that we can do. God wants us to do that. 
Love God, love others. And then the third thing is to be reconciled. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We need to understand that we need to be reconciled. This means that you need to stretch out as far as you can to be reconciled with the people around you. We need to pursue peace, not pursue anger, not pursue control, not saying that you're right. Pursue peace. Go after that. Don't, it doesn't say go after somebody else and tell them what people, how people have hurt you or how you have perceived that hurt doesn't tell you that. He says, go directly to them. Leave abruptly. Go quickly. Be reconciled. And then he says, then you can come back. Then come back and worship with a clean heart and a pure conscience. That's what God is calling us to do. To be peacemakers. Not to be people who are angry. Not to be people who are uncontrolled. But people who love God and love others. You should have a long fuse in your life. And if you don't, why is that? Why don't you have a long fuse? Why don't you control your anger? What's the reasoning? It's not the other person. It's within you. It is in your heart. So what is that? So I've been talking. And I know that images have been coming up in your mind. Because when I was studying this, images came up in my mind. How I treated my wife, or how I treated my kids, or how I treated others. Because I got angry. I don't want to be that way. I've had to repent. I don't want to hurt people. I, want to, I don't want to have sinful anger. I want to have a righteous anger. So I need to pursue peace. I need to make that the number one thing is to pursue peace. I don't want to be angry in the car. They never hear me anyway. Right? It doesn't do any good. And it's not nice for the pastor to tell people they're number one with the wrong finger. Right? And I don't do that, by the way. I want to, but I don't do that. It's controlled. We need to get a hold of this. We need to have this because we need to be examples to all, right? Not of being angry, but be loving. You know, there's some things we need to get angry more about. We need to get angry about sin in our own lives and in the lives of others. Not angry at them, but at the enemy and at the destruction that sin is causing our people that we know, the people in our nation. We need to get angry at that. We need to get angry at the devil. But we need to love people. We need to be controlled. And we need to bring up a new generation of our kids that sees a loving a parents that knows how to be mad at times. But they can see it being controlled, measured, thought out, and loving. That's what we need. But the only way you can do that by Holy Spirit control, by recognizing that you need help. 